Hey everyone, it's your girl, your auntie, your friend, and your host of the show, TK. Our mission is simply to bring knowledge and information to inspire and help young men and women in the community transform their lives. Welcome to the Back and Forth TV podcast. On the show with me this morning, I got Mr. Stanley Bandawa. Good morning. How's in the it going? house. Good morning. Good morning. He requested mimosas, so we, you know, I came in clutch with the mimosas this morning. <laughs> You know, <laughs> no, it was, yeah. a good, it was a good pick. It it's a actually good pick. a good choice, and I actually picked out a good one. As you know, I don't know much about champagne, so <laughs> well, you did good. You got the brute rose. It's mm-hmm. a little, little dry, but nice, um, fruity, fruity hints in yeah, there. You just drown it in orange juice. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. So our topic today here is called breaking through and breaking free, and I'm really, really excited about this topic because I think. It doesn't just resonate with the black community, but this is something that anybody can really take and use for their lives. Um, so before we get started, I just wanted to share a little bit about Stan. Um, he's actually an accomplished operations manager for a local investment management company with more than 15 years of service leadership and associates to provide first-class customer service to aid in the overall growth of an organization. And he's delivered measurable efficiency gains through project management and providing first-class client satisfaction. He has also built and strengthened staff and administration. During his spare time, Stanley spends a lot of time serving as vice chair on the boards at the Pikes Peak Boys and Girls Club. Since I've known Stan, he's been doing that. Uh, faithfully, and also at East Lake High School, an alternative school for post-secondary options and mentoring youth as big, um, as a big with big brother, sister. Is that what the... Big the brother and big sister. Big brother and big sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stanley, um, he resides in Colorado Springs, Colorado um, with his two daughters, Dela and Celine. Della and Della, Celine. Oh my goodness. Della and Celine. <laughs> and they are so cute, by the way. Well, thank They're adorable. You. And his lovely CHO, Chief Home Officer, Ronnie Paul. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> yeah, she typically runs things, so yeah. uh, I got to get into the C-suite somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. I'm so glad to have you. Thanks for joining me this morning. Before we get started, though, just a quick icebreaker question. Okay. How long did she go without a haircut when quarantine started? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. So... March, I think I got my first cut in, it was shortly after they they opened the barbershops back up. Um, but I'll probably say it was about the June time frame, but for me, that was, it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rough time in life, so you had a whole afro. I, I normally get a haircut almost maybe once a week. Oh. <laughs> and uh, to go from that to nothing was, mm-hmm. was a lot. I uh, faced, quick story, I faced how my sister and uh, she did a double take. She said, you look like a grizzly bear. Oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> yeah. Shade. You could have talked about her nails if she gets her nails done. Mm-hmm. I know, because I know I had, you know, one missing, two missing on each finger, and they were grown out. <laughs> like, I was looking like a grizzly bear. So, Uh-oh. But anyway, so jumping into the topic and taking control and breaking free. And again, like I said before, like this is such a relevant topic just for for anyone, um, but before we get started, why don't you just tell me a little bit about your background? I know that you're not from here. Correct. Tell us um, about that. So I grew up in, I'll say, Silver Spring, Germantown, Maryland. Um, I was originally born in South Carolina. Parents relocated to Maryland when I was about seven. And then uh, when I was about eight, my parents split. 
And so my mom and my sister, my two, I have two younger sisters, and we moved out to Germantown, Maryland. Uh, so that's pretty much where I grew up um, from the time I was about eight until actually till I left to go to college when mm-hmm. I was um, 18. Uh, so I spent some time and went to school out in Baltimore, um, Morgan State University, or should I say the Morgan State University, hey. <laughs> HBCU, um, and then relocated here to Colorado Springs in 2007 for um, for job opportunity. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a little bit about my background. I don't know where you want to go from there. <laughs> but uh, No, that's okay. I just kind of wanted to, you know, um, for our listeners, just to understand, you know, just some more about where you came from. Okay. Um, so... You know, why do you feel like this is a relevant topic? Well, it's, I think breaking free is one of those topics, like you said, TK, where it doesn't just apply to the to the African-American community. But I think um, it, it's very important for the African-American community to address breaking mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. Um, just for me personally, just seeing, growing up and seeing a lot of um, cycles, mm-hmm. whether it's generational cycles, um, on the flip side, there are generational blessings but just to see what you know, a lot of my family members have gone through over the years, um, passing along some, I'll say, some bad practices or bad habits mm-hmm. over the years. So, and you and I, we've had some conversation around this topic before, and I think it's important for people to understand that there's certain things that they may not be aware of mm-hmm. that may be holding them back for, from accomplishing their purpose. Mm-hmm. And for me, purpose is very important. That's what drives me day in, day out, is knowing what my purpose is and being able to, whether it's accomplish that or um, help people out based on what I feel like I, how I was created to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that some people, depending on what type of environment they grew up in, right, um, they find themselves themselves in this topic, this toxic, excuse me, situation or maybe they just don't know how to step out or step around. Maybe they know what their purpose is, but sometimes it seems so broad and so out of reach from where they are now. Um, what would you say is the first step mm. towards, you know, moving moving forward? It's a great question. I'd say first step is just being aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say aware, just being aware of, you know, whether it's your history, your family history, mm-hmm. um, whether it's um, steps that you may have taken Mm-hmm. Um, over over time, over a period of time, um, and just being able to identify, like, okay, why does this, maybe this obstacle, why do I always run into this obstacle? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that I'm doing? And then for me, just being able to assess um, my family, that, that was very important. Um, quick story here is that um, I, my, my dad's family's from Africa, from mm-hmm. Sierra Leone. So I'm first generation in the United States, mm-hmm. um, first born actually on my dad's side here in the U.S. Um, so I had a cousin come over from Africa. Oh, this was probably about ten years ago, and we met, and it was one of those things where it was like, wow, we're definitely related. The lips, the nose. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, right. yeah, you, you're definitely one of us. Um, but we had a great conversation. But one thing he pointed out during our conversation was that. There wasn't anyone on my dad's side of the family that was what's well, the term that he used properly and properly and legally married. Mm-hmm. And so I took a look at that and I said, "Huh." And I started looking. Looked at looked at myself at the time. I had just gone through a divorce. Mm-hmm. I looked at my sisters. They weren't married, but they were having relationships. 
And I started going across various levels, and I was like, wow, he's right. And legally, meaning having a marriage ceremony, you know, mm-hmm. license, certificate. Right, right. But we had family members that were married, but they were living together, but they were never legally married. Mm-hmm. And then properly married. Some were legally married, but some weren't. <laughs> I mean, I've got a couple uncles that were, that are actually to this day living in other states, but they're still married to their wife that lives in Maryland. Oh, how does that work? So (laughs) that's just one example of Mm. just being able to be aware of, you know, some things that I believe, you know, were kind of passed down or cyclical within within families. Mm -hmm. And I think as African-Americans, just based on a lot of a lot of the topics that are at the forefront today, Mm -hmm. you know, with the diaspora, with um, systemic issues that are taking place, um, slavery. I think it's important for us to be able to take a look back and see some of these cycles and things that like that that have happened so that eventually we can get to a point where we can maybe break them or change mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Right. So that basically jumps back into generational curses, mm-hmm. you know, which is very important. Um, I, I mean, I can share one of the things for my family was just finances and management. Like my parents, um, they grew up poor mm. without much at all. Both of my parents did. And then the generations before and the generations before and then their slavery, right? Um, and so my parents, luckily, they were the ones to really come in and break that generational curse because they were aware, like, this is a problem. And they were continuing to walk in that path of making the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they decided to go a different direction. Um, tell me about, you know, some, you know, maybe a toxic situation or maybe just some generational curses, you know, just in your own personal life mm-hmm. um, that you experienced. Um, I think, again, Assessing the family, the, uh, you know, divorce, that's one. Um, children out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, I have two younger sisters, like I mentioned earlier. And then my middle sister, um, she has two children. Mm-hmm. And when you take a step back a couple generations, my grandmother mm-hmm. had two children. Oh, wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, no dad in the house. Mm-hmm. Father wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of see her repeating some of those, that cycle. Right. Um, whereas my younger sister, she doesn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. She's like, no kids. <laughs> <laughs> She's having no kids. Myself, on the other hand, I've got two kids. I have a significant other, but we're not legally married. Mm-hmm. So that goes mm-hmm. back to another issue, right? Right, right, right. Um, so for me, it's just important to be aware of what some of those those issues or it could be, it could be curses are, mm-hmm. um, and being able to address those. So I will get married at some point. Um, I to hopefully... told you, I gave you ideas <laughs> now on how to make this happen. Hopefully I can, <laughs> hopefully I can break that, break that cycle mm-hmm. and that curse. Um, but yeah, to go back to your question is, you know, just taking a look and assessing those, those cycles, it's those curses. It's important, but it's also important to, recognize the blessings, mm-hmm. generational blessings. Because going back to my grandmother, great person. I mean, she pretty much raised me and my uh, my siblings, you know, from a moral, from an upbringing, from a work work ethic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't have a high school, um, she didn't have a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. And she was able to have two children, raise them. Um, you know, she was married at a couple points in her life. Um, but then she, from South Carolina, went up to New York. Mm-hmm. She, had, she had a very strong work ethic. And I mm-hmm. think those are some of the things that me and my siblings were able to carry forth. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so when you acknowledge the the curse, is also acknowledge the blessings. Mm-hmm. Don't don't forget about yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, definitely, so. definitely. So you know, we've established that generational curses, obviously, and and just being able to identify what it is that we need to you know take control of, mm-hmm. you know, to begin with. Um, so I guess the question went big is how do you know like what your purpose is? Mm. That's a tough one. I get that question quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd say that I'm blessed and fortunate enough to have understand understood what my purpose was from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, I take a look at the environments. Um, I'm a I'm a believer. I believe where you know God puts you. He puts mm-hmm. you in certain places for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I took a look at a lot of the environments that I was was in growing up, mm-hmm. and where I grew up at, I'd probably say ninety percent of the families were um, single parent homes. Right. And mo- most of my friends we were actually having this conversation a couple weeks ago, grew up in single parent homes. Mm-hmm. And so we became our own family. But to go back to answer, to answer your question is, um, looking at the environments that I'm in. So I was always in environments where it was underprivileged children, mm-hmm. whether it was a teen center, uh, youth, youth nights, mm-hmm. things like that. Just, my, our neighborhood. I mean, when we we were growing up, we were um, my mother had subsidized housing, so we had government assistance growing up. Right, right. And a lot of my friends mm-hmm. came from that. So at an early age, I was kind of immersed in an environment to where there's just a lot of underprivileged children, and for me, that's what I identified as my purpose is being able to assist those underprivileged children mm-hmm. that don't necessarily have a voice, mm-hmm. and that also it gets extended to. Um, whether it's children in Africa, so supporting, you know, local, some local organizations like Compassion mm-hmm. International and the work that they do out in the field, again, for underprivileged or underserved children. Mm-hmm. Um, as you read through my bio, a lot of the organ- organizations that I'm part of and I support are to assist with children mm-hmm. that are underserved. So um, that's what I identified as my purpose, just looking at the environments that are placed in, Spend some time asking the Lord, hey, why did you create me? What's mm-hmm. my purpose? Right, and, right, uh, right. and that's what was given to me. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. I was, as I was getting ready this mm-hmm. morning, and it started to take place probably about a couple of weeks ago, I felt like there's something shifting to where I'm kind of moving away mm-hmm. from the focus on children to other causes maybe. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm just kind of digesting that mm-hmm. to see, okay, well, what opportunities come my way? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's been where a lot of these organizations that I've supported, some I've sought out, but a lot of these opportunities were brought my way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of very important because I believe that if it's if it's my purpose, things will come naturally mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily have to force doors open. Right. Um, so everything's has always worked out in that respect. You know, that's an important point that you bring up. And I've never really thought about it that way is, you know, as we move forward in life. God may give us one thing to work on, but our purpose could, you know, be consistently changing all the time. And maybe we were here to do one thing in this area. Now, once we've done that, we got to move on to something else. Yeah, I think it's just, I look at it, it's seasonal. You know, mm-hmm. the seasons change, times change. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. I mean, again, looking at the settings, because the settings that I'm in, when I you know, was talking about the different opportunities that were coming my way right. as I was growing, you know, growing up, um, they're starting to change. Mm-hmm. So the different 
venues, the settings that I'm being put in, um, the people that are in my environment, um, surroundings, um, it's, I'm seeing that it's starting to change. So mm-hmm. I think that's where there's a shifting that's taking place mm-hmm. and it might be time for me to, to move mm-hmm. on to do something different. Right, right. So I just want to back up a little bit because you shared a little bit more about kind of your childhood and just the environment that you grew up in. And I think there's so many young people uh. <laughs> that are in a situation like that where it's, you know, okay, I have a single, you know, my mom's a single mom. She's working. You know, we don't have that much income. So sometimes like getting to college or getting to that next step seems so unattainable when you come from, you know, a situation is that, you know, mm-hmm. not everybody gets that chance. And, you know, when you walk into a situation, you're already defeated. You're like, I came from this. I don't even know how I'm going to get there. Yep. You know, it can it can be a struggle. So can you just share a little bit about just your journey, you know, um, like getting into college? What changed in your situation? You know, what did you do to kind of take control of your life to get to that next step? Yeah, I'm going to go back to to Mama Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> My mother was very instrumental in that in that space. Um mm. one given because of her faith. Um she's a very strong, firm faith and we can, She's a prayer warrior. She's <laughs> a prayer warrior to the extreme. My mom is too, so I know. And I think we need that. Mm-hmm. Um so for those listeners out there, pray for you. If you have children, pray for your children. Mm-hmm. Um so I guess that's the first thing and you know, growing up you know, on the East Coast, like you said, not having a lot. Um, it was it was kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing my mother always instilled in us was that, you know, worry about your situation, your own personal situation. Right. Don't worry about what other people have. You never know how they got it. Mm-hmm. Whether someone, you know, they may have sold drugs or done something to get whatever it is, material things. Mm-hmm. So that, those are some of the things she instilled in us. So for me, taking that forward, even it being a little rough, um, that's kind of what kind of guided and helped me because I I wasn't all I wasn't a follower because mm-hmm. um, I I couldn't follow because I didn't have the things that other people had. Right. So I kind of had to set my own my own path. Um, that's actually really helped me out to this day because um, it gives me a sense of comfort of who I am, my identity in me, my identity in Christ. Um, so that gives me that that comfort there. Because be comfortable with who I am, who mm-hmm. I was created to be. Um, so again, you know, growing up, being able to be comfortable with myself, um, I always had a lot of friends. Um, friends were always welcoming. Um, but as far as my journey, a lot of it was just being determined that there were certain circumstances similar to what you said, like with your family and finances. That okay, looking back my family, my grandmother, I've had cousins, things like that, where they sacrifice a lot. Mm-hmm. And I look at the principle of sacrifice is like they gave up something to allow something else to come right. into that that place. And so for me, I look at it and I said, well, my grandmother sacrificed this, my mom sacrificed that, my cousins, you know, they, they were much older than me at the time. You know, they weren't able to, you know, go out and play sports and things like that, especially down south. Um, they were sharecroppers. Mm-hmm. So they were out in fields. Right. And uh, and that's not too many far generations mm-hmm. removed. No, it's not. And um, so looking at that, that really sparked a fire, lit a fire in me to say, okay, well, if they sacrifice that, you know, if our ancestors sacrifice all this blood, you know, their lives, 
there's no reason why I can't go forward and be successful and do things that I feel like I need to do or, or, or was created to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what really lit the fire for me. Um, in the midst of having to navigate growing up mm-hmm. on the East Coast um, in the streets, uh, thank God for mentors, thank God for basketball, because mm-hmm. um, that, that's what really kept me out of trouble. Uh, that's what also took me to a lot of different places, um, mm-hmm. playing sports, interacting with different various types of people. I mean, white millionaires to, you know, um, to white people in welfare, blacks in the hood, you know, mm-hmm. different places. So a lot of exposure there. Um, so being able to navigate that, I feel I felt like, okay, I can't let certain people down, family members, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not riding on you. So it was a, it's yeah, a lot, lot, right? Yeah. Um, my siblings, I had two sisters, and I felt like I had to set the bar high for them. So for me, it was there was a point also where um, I had moved back to Maryland for a couple years. I lived with my father, mind the fact that he wasn't mm-hmm. in the house growing up. Right. So that was a different dynamic. Mm-hmm. You got two men. <laughs> beating, that don't beating. know as much about each other, right? Maybe if he... We we would spend summers uh-huh. with our father um, for the most part. Okay. And, um, you know, he was always challenging us. Um, we talked to him over the phone, um, but it was different being in a house because as a young male, there's there was some animosity there too. <laughs> right. But um, we got to a point to where we were button heads and... You know, I was given that that order. You either go to go to school or you get out of here. Mm-hmm. And so, I had a friend that was attending Morgan at the time, and um, he came back. He would come back home every so often, and uh, he said, "Hey, man, get your Sunday's best. We're going to go to homecoming." I was still in high school at the time, <laughs> um, so I went up, pulled pull my slacks in a nice oh, you shirt. You were excited, huh? <laughs> I was excited, so we went and hung out, and I was like, "Okay, this is what." It's like if you can hang out and have a good time and uh, it's in, and get an education, I was like, where do I sign up? Mm-hmm. And a lot of my the delay for me, whether it was applying to different colleges and schools, really despite my father at that time mm-hmm. because we had some conversations. But I think that was a, one of the first turning points in my journey was being able to get out of my environment, get into an environment to where people were um, attending school, and at the end of the day, to me, that equaled that okay, some at some point you gotta be successful. Mm-hmm. So that was the first turning point. Um so college college went went great. Mm-hmm. Um I'd say this the second turning point was uh, right before my first marriage, just looking at my family dynamic, the dynamic that I had with my siblings, the dynamic that I had with my mother. Um, that was a pretty tough one. And I think uh, <laughs> that was one where when you talk about breaking free, and I see this in the African-American community, and um, it's kind of almost like a default when when the father's out of the home, especially in single-parent homes, when the father's out of the home and there's a male there, the male's given this responsibility at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was the age of eight. And... So as I before I had got got married, I started to take a look back, and so you mean that you're the man of the house. I'm the type. man. I got to take care of everyone. I got to take care of everyone. I'm right. the man at the man of the house um, at eight. <laughs> exactly right. It's <laughs> a lot of responsibility for an eight year old. And I get why we do that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't necessarily agree with it, though. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, we're created, again, going back to seasons and times where at eight, you're a child, right? You don't, you're not even a teenager yet. Mm-hmm. And there's certain things that happens to us over time with our bodies. You know, we become a teenager, you go through puberty, things like that. And I think that's how God created us for, mm-hmm. for specific reasons. Um, but to give a young male, young boy, young kid that much responsibility at eight is a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got adults that can't even handle That's true. the responsibility so of taking true. care of their kids, but you put that on an eight-year-old. So I actually um, met with a, uh, she was a pastor at the time, and we were just having some conversations. She just started really speaking into my situation, and mm-hmm. I was like, well, wow. Okay. She read you, huh? She 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 told me my whole life without <laughs> mm-hmm. even I mean, this was all within a matter of like twenty minutes oh, wow. of just being in her presence. She's like, Can we talk for a second? And she just started I was like, Man, like we didn't I don't think we even had Google at the time. Like you can mm-hmm. Google certain things. <laughs> That's how you know God is real though. Exactly. Yeah. So um she just started speaking into my life and she talked and that's what she had shared with me, just the the responsibilities that I was given at a young age that that it was that's not how things were created and she said you know me being the male growing up I mean my sisters would come to me like I was their father even to this day sometimes they come to me like I'm their dad um and so there was a point where I had to have a conversation with to start with my sisters to say hey I'm your brother because growing up, we would, you know, we would have these conversations. We'd be on the phone talking, and let's say, for example, they would want to go buy a car. I would give them, you know, hey, here's what you need to consider. Here's what you need to take a look at. Make sure you got this amount of money. And let's say they didn't do it, mm-hmm. I'd be upset. I'd be angry, screaming at them, shouting at them. <laughs> I I told you you shouldn't have done that. This is what I told you to do. You didn't listen. So then they're upset. They're crying. Mm-hmm. And so use that using that as an example, that's something their father would probably do, right? Mm-hmm. Be upset. I told you this, but I'm their brother. So once I was able to change that dynamic of our relationship, that kind of released them to go forth and do some things on their own and not necessarily have to depend on me. Uh, we still, you know, we still open dialogue, open conversation, um, but that kind of set them free to mm-hmm. go forth and do things. For me, that allowed that set me free. I didn't have no longer worried about having to tell them what to do and whether or not they did it. it was, I didn't get upset about it. I'm their brother. I'm just here to give you some brotherly advice. Mm-hmm. So that really changed the dynamic of our relationship. And then, um, then came mom. Mm-hmm. And that was a tough one um, because you know when you're the the male of the house, you tend to have this, it's almost like a husband-wife relationship, but you're the son. Right. And so this pastor pointed out to me, and she said, you know, you're not your mother's husband. Your mother calls you, your mother does this, the things that mm-hmm. most women would probably mm-hmm. do to their, their spouses, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the role that I was playing in that space, whether I realize it or not. And she said, when you, when you think about it, you know, if a mother's married to their son, what is that? I was like, oh, I don't know. At the time, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. She's like, that's incest. Right. Right? She said that the relationship is not created to be like that. You're you're a son. 
and that's your mother. And again, we see that in a lot of the African-American you community. Know, that is so interesting. And I actually think I remember you talking to me about this. I was mm-hmm. going since there was some stuff with my siblings and it was like, you can't be their mom. Mm-hmm. You're their sister. You can guide, but we can't tell them what to do at the end of the day. And sometimes it creates way more stress than we need to, to have in our lives. And even, you know, just in, especially in single parent, um, you know, family homes, that's a lot of times what happens is that the son ends up taking on this role uh-huh. that they didn't really need to have. You know, you're almost like your your mom's husband in a way because she's relying on you like emotionally, you know, for these things that a husband should be yep. doing. Um, you know, and then just kind of jumping back into, you know, talking about purpose, especially when you're trying to figure what that is, out what that is. There's so many things that can get in the way of, you know, hearing God's voice when he's trying to communicate with us. And I think it's a really great example, even Mm. from our family. It doesn't even have to just be toxicity from friends, but just, you know, how we're carrying on relationships with our family, too. Yeah, it's a tough because it's a tough, um, I'll say, perspective, because you're going to have some people that are just going to say, look, that's mama and (laughs) Mm -hmm. whatever mama needs, whatever mama says, um, I get it. But for me, in my situation, I had to draw a line in the in the sand and say, okay, you know, mom, I love you, but I also have to be healthy, mm-hmm. you know, mentally, emotionally to go forth and to, you know, raise my family and do some of these things. Mm-hmm. Now, mom is still there. You know, <laughs> you, can't, can't, you don't forget mama. Yeah, definitely. Um, but she understood mm-hmm. and uh, she respected the decision I made, and it's not like I didn't stop talking to her. Just I just was slowly changing the dynamic of our relationship. So, an example would be is you know she would ask a question about, hey, I'm going to the store and I want to pick something up. What do you think I should get? I was like, well, what do you think you should get, Mom? Whereas before I would just tell her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how we started to change the dynamic. Now there's times where she you know calling up, oh yeah, you want to definitely get that one, mm-hmm. but. It just wasn't this de- codependency mm-hmm. on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I've been able, for me, that's where that was another tony- turning point, which allowed me to kind of break free and go forth mm-hmm. and do things. And as I continue my career, my journey, um, a lot of the people that I'm, com- you know, that I'm meeting, um, they're in a very similar situation, especially... Um, Africa, the African Americans, mm-hmm. very similar situation where they, you know, mom is there and they're having to. There was there was a codependency, but they also acknowledge at some point where they had to kind of change the dy- dynamic of mm-hmm. their relationship too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, when you're trying to to figure out and and you know move forward in a positive way, you can't really do that if you're playing a role that you're not supposed to be playing in the first place, right? That's correct. So I wanted to jump back to something very important that you mentioned. Um, You mentioned praying and seeking God, right, Mm. which is so important. Um, I really think that people have these ideals and, you know, things that they want to pursue. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But sometimes when you're trying to manifest something and you haven't sought God for, you could be manifesting the wrong plan or the wrong purpose, right? So. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your perspective, you know, you know, at least on the spiritual aspect of things. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head is that um, what I've learned 
is like when, when things aren't going great or aren't going as expected in life, the first thing I do is kind of check my priorities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's God first, family, work, and then whatever whatever else comes after that, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, but when things aren't going right, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in the workplace, I go back and I look at my priorities and I can see where things are out of, out of sync. Mm-hmm. And then once I can make that adjustment, then things get back on track. So that's kind of the first step. The second step that I like to take is taking a look at, um, I just lost thought of your question. <laughs> Keep going. It's okay. Um, now, what was what was your question? Oh, you need that? me to repeat it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was, I don't even know if I remember my question. Um, no, I had said that, you know, Praying, you there know, and seeking yeah. God is a part of that, you know, from your perspective spiritually. Yep. Gotcha. You know. So, yeah, the first step was the priorities. Second, t- taking a look at the mm-hmm. priorities. Second step was, for me, is definitely praying, but also waiting mm-hmm. and patience. Um, mm. That's one, I guess, character trait that's kind of, I've seen from me that's really helped me out over time is just being patient. It's hard. Right, you want something. I mean, we live in this insta everything right, right. society. Mm-hmm. Um, so patience is, has been very key for me um, in my journey. Um, but just asking God, you know, where does He want me to be? You know, what, whether it's a position that I'm pursuing, my prayer is if that position is for is for me, open mm-hmm. the door. If it's not, close that door. Mm-hmm. Because again, I don't want to step into a role or a position um, that he doesn't want me to be there. Because to me, as long as he's over that, then everything will work according to his plan and not my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where sustainability and things like that come. Um, quick story. I was coming out of a management and training program. I was probably about two, two, two and a half years into my career, um, got into this management training program. And from day one, everybody that was part of this cohort, they were getting promoted left and right. Right. And I'm sitting back and I'm like, man, I might be sitting here by myself at some point in time mm-hmm. if I don't mm-hmm. get out there and pursue certain roles. And so, you know, I was, I was just praying about it. I was like, God, I just, you know, I don't think that one's for me. That one looks good. I don't know about that. And um, this opportunity came up, and I was like, that's the one. Mm-hmm. And so I prepared for it. I interviewed, and I walked out of there, and I was like, yeah, I got it. Mm-hmm. I just knew. And sure enough, two days later, I got the call. And I was like, hey, we want to bring you in. I was like, thank you. So then from there, you know, I got into the role and then about six months in, um, I got a tap on the shoulder and he said, hey, we're looking to move people to either Colorado Springs or to Tampa. Mm-hmm. And I said, hmm. And to rewind a little bit, I was on um, a vacation in Jamaica. I love the vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you show like it's a vacation. I love the vacation. <laughs> um, and was actually talking to a couple and they were in real estate, so they're very familiar. And they're from Tampa. And they said, 
be honest in, I would probably choose Colorado Springs over Tampa. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. You know, so we, we there was a lot of other conversation and dialogue that took place. And then, you know, I came back home, pulled out a scratch sheet of paper and started weighing out the pros and cons. Long story short, that brought me out to Colorado Springs. So got to Colorado Springs and this was about 2000, uh, right before the market tank in 2008. Mm-hmm. And so people that had actually moved to other roles had gotten let go from from our from the organization. Mm-hmm. My director called me up at home and was like, "Stan, you have nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we just moved you and your family out here. That's you have awesome. nothing to worry about." Mm-hmm. That's how you know it was meant for you. That's how I know, right? Mm-hmm. And then other roles, like I mean, I've I've had to pass up roles to rewind a little bit when I first got into the organization. Um, there was a meeting. Uh, predominantly African Americans with across the organization, and um, where I was at at the time, you didn't see too many African Americans in this particular department. And then, so I got a tap on the shoulder, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna have a meeting. It's gonna be a lot of African American <laughs> mm-hmm. people." So it was kind secret of black meetings. secret black meetings, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I met an individual there, and at that time, he had offered. He was like, "Hey, we've got this." Um, like executive systems administrator position. I was like, man, that sounds good. Probably pays great. But I was like, I'm fresh out of college. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you really want to bring me in? And so that's an opportunity that I probably could have jumped at. And I probably wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation with you today if I would have taken that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Just as an example. But And I knew that as good as it sound, as much as it paid, I really felt deep down that that opportunity was not for me. Man, this is this is so good. I was actually going to go a different direction, but then you said this, and so now I'm going to say <laughs> something else. Okay. Um, but patience, oh my goodness. I have never even thought about that, to be honest. You know, because I'm really big about walking in purpose, but sometimes you may not even get the vision for whatever it is you're trying to, or you should be doing right away. Mm-hmm. And so just having... The patience, and not just the patience, but the confidence to know, you know, there is something for me here, and I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to wait. And I know for me, that's definitely not, you know me, Stan. Listen, (laughs) I'm trying to get it done. Um, But patience, that is so very, very important. Um, So we have identifying generational curses, right? Um. Understanding your family dynamic and what needs to change there. Um, Being patient, you know, praying, right? Along with that, I think when we're talking about purpose, right, we all have something or multiple things that we're here to do specifically, specific tasks that are here just for us. And we have to make some tough decisions sometimes, right? We have to make some tough choices. And so... Along with that could be maybe we have to get rid of some relationships, some friends, mm-hmm. or like you said, pass up an opportunity, right? Yeah, those are all great. It's a great point. Um, I just recently, uh, I guess I can say next, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or let go of a relationship. Um, it's actually with an individual that's a friend of mine. Uh, we, I mean, we've been friends for probably about, Four or five years, 
Um, but it was, I'd say, letting that one go, that relationship go, a lot of it was due to um, he was always sharing false information. Mm-hmm. And, you know, too much information outside of the code, you know, right. the circle. Um, I've got friends that I've known for 35 plus years. I don't want to give my age away, but <laughs> 35 plus years. Um, yeah, he got kids, so do the math. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've always established kind of a inner circle of mm-hmm. friends and then a couple of, you know, layers removed. Um, you go to the inner circle for certain things and you go from, you know, to other layers for certain things as friendships. Um, so, yeah, over the years I've had to let some unhealthy relationships go. Um, you know, and some, some were some of what I would have considered to be some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that they were all like bad to where, you know, someone was maybe, you know, on drugs or something like that. A lot of it is just because of the dynamic of the relationship just wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to let some of those go. And I mean, some of them we might, may still have a conversation see each other in passing. But I would say to the listeners is that, you know, assess your relationships. And back to the point you made about prayer, one of the things that I was taught growing up was whenever you meet people, pray and ask God why that person was brought to you or why mm-hmm. you're in that relationship or what what the purpose of that relationship is. And you'll be surprised to see what is revealed as long as you take the time to listen and mm-hmm. be aware and assess um, and sometimes that does require patience right. too. Mm-hmm. So for me, just being able to let go of some of those toxic relationships has definitely been freeing. Um, and it's unfortunate because sometimes I, you know, I see people to this day, and it's just kind of high and by. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love people. Right. <laughs> I love people. I love relationships. I love getting to know people. But sometimes you have to. You have to move forward. And I think sometimes relationships are seasonal too. Mm-hmm. You know, God may bring somebody into your life for a specific purpose or for a specific reason. It could be as simple as, you know what? Hey, I met you, TK. You're introducing me to Kevin. Mm-hmm. You just never know. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I, I can even speak to it a little bit. I remember vividly the age of 26. And I don't know what we were doing. It was something we were doing. And God just spoke to me like in that moment. Mm. And he said, I can't elevate you or move you or help you achieve your purpose with this clouding your judgment. Mm. And so I had to make a very tough decision, you know, to ultimately let this whole group. And it wasn't just one person because sometimes it's not one person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's multiple people at one time that you have to be comfortable with removing. Um. And I can legitimately say I was hurt, like mm. by having to let it, all of this stuff go. But in the end, I wouldn't even be sitting here probably had I not let those people go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then sometimes people are just, just there for a season. Yep. Um. Geez, this is such a good topic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I mean, when we're talking about purpose, there's just so many things that can compile into this. You know, especially. When you're not just doing purpose, but God's purpose, like mm-hmm. that's a whole another layer, you know, a spiritual layer that you have to consider too. Um, 
But just having the confidence, I think, is so important because some people, you know, they want to move out to the next step and maybe the door is open and it's there, Mm -hmm. but they just don't have the confidence. Oh, you know, I don't know if it's going to work out or, (laughs) you know, I, I can't do this. You know, I can't do this. You know, what would you say about self-doubt and having confidence? Oh, that's a a good one. Oh, well, I I tell you, I'm I'm just blessed to have Mama Shirley because she's got all the confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she's instilled that in all her children. We are very proud Mm -hmm. (laughs) children. But um, I think it's it's goes back to having faith. Mm -hmm. If you can stand on faith, then you know. And confidence doesn't always have to be this. Hey, I'm the best person in the room. It can just be, I know this opportunity is for me mm-hmm. and being able to whether speak to it. Um, but for me, just having a firm foundation on faith that, okay, even if this situation doesn't work out or even if this job doesn't work out, I have faith that God's, God has something else in store for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, sometimes you just know that I need to walk through that door or I need to go talk to that person. And I think that just comes with being patient. And I like to say, you know, you practice how you play. Right. Um, so I think we also have to spend time listening to what God, you mean, I mean, God will throw certain things your way. Mm-hmm. And if you keep running into it, he's throwing it, he's throwing it in your direction for a reason or throwing it in your path, putting it in your path for a reason. So being, having that sensitivity and awareness of, all right, how come every time I walk into this meeting, I'm always the first person that they're ch- they want to hear right. speak? Mm-hmm. And it happens every time. So it's like, for me, that might say, okay, God might be preparing me for some sort of a speaking role, and he wants me to get in the habit of speaking, speaking mm-hmm. up or speaking first in a situation. Can you share the story about the announcement? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um so to I guess another example would be is as far as preparation, um I was about twenty twenty-two, twenty-three. Um I gotten off my my path mm-hmm. that God had established and created my own path, but uh, you know, always <laughs> you always know where home right. is at, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I started going back to church and this was a very small church at the time. Um and so, you know, with, with churches in general, you normally have, regardless of the size of the church, 10% of people are people that are doing everything in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Volunteers, this and that, sound. I bet you Kev probably does sound at the church, too. He did, actually. Uh, there you up. go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I started out with the media team. And uh, so I would do the sound. We would make the tape, CDs, all that. There I go, dating myself again. <laughs> um. So one day I'm in there, I'm in the sound room and I'm making the CDs for the, for the sermon, for the message. And the pastor comes over, he says, Stan, I really need you to give the announcements on Sunday. I'm like, what? Like Mm (laughs) pre-record? You know what I mean? No, we need you to get up in front of the church and give the announcements on Sunday. And he said, I I really love your voice. I think everyone in church would love hearing your voice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, all right, pastor. So I got up one Sunday and I started doing the announcements and uh, people afterwards, people were like, wow, Stan, you know, you, you did a great job. You, you know, you had everybody lively. It was a little different from what they were used to. 
And so I kept giving the announcements. Um, For me, that kind of got me out of my comfort zone, you know, of speaking, speaking in public. Um, And then as I've seen over the years, it's resulted in a lot of other opportunities to speak in front of people. And the, the role that I have today, I'm in, you know, a boardroom speaking to directors, CEOs, CFOs about their 401k plans. Mm-hmm. And for me, and I always go, I had a dinner with um, with my pastor, my old pastor, uh, a couple years back. And I told him, I said, thank God for the announcement. So it's like, because that has me, allowed me to do and be comfortable with what I do today mm-hmm. as far as speaking to whether it's audience or groups, um, you know, DK, you and I, we've done a lot of presentations when it comes mm-hmm. to financial literacy mm-hmm. um, for groups, for youth, for adults. And for me, I was just given that comfort of being able to give the announcements in front of a, in front of a church and being able to take that to, to various different levels. Mm-hmm. And I think that was God's preparation because he knew like, okay, hey, Stan, this is where I need you to be. Um, and so the announcements was kind of that starting point. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people to do things willingly, you know, because you never know when God is preparing you for something. You know, it's you with the announcements. You guys can't care, Kevin, but I'm just going to say a little bit about Kevin. Okay, so we grew <laughs> up in the church together. We were church babies. And um, he actually did the sound and all the, you know, the video stuff, all the tech, all that stuff. Kevin did it, mm-hmm. right? And now he's doing this. He has this amazing studio. We're at Level 4 Studios. If you ever guys want, ever want to come check it out, he does, you know, for he has the, the studio for that you can actually rent out for photography and stuff. And then he also has, you know, the podcast space as well. But he's doing this amazing work that yeah. I don't think he would have done otherwise had he not done it. Right, Kevin? You think so? Yeah, definitely yeah. not. You know, and there's things in my life that had I not done them, I probably wouldn't have been here. Yep. Um, so all good topics. So, geez, this time has gone by so fast. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like we could talk about this for hours. But um, what does living in one's purpose actually look like for you? Hmm. For me, it's it's a great feeling, um, and I have this conversation with the with a lot of people because um, there's a lot of people that are searching their purpose, you know. And quite often, what we think is our purpose is not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take I definitely receive that as a blessing to understand my purpose, understand who, who why I was created, and what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but I think for me, it's definitely freeing because when I'm operating in my purpose, things just come easily. Things come naturally. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day and they were about purpose and they were saying, well, yeah, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do all these things. I said, well, that's great. Just make sure that that's what God wants you to do. Mm -hmm. I said, when God has you, when you're when you're on God's path, He already has everything that that He that you'll need along the way. So I, I look at a monopoly board, right? Mm-hmm. You're going around this monopoly board, and as long as you're on God's path, God's going to give you that two hundred dollars every time you pass go, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if you try to create your own path, just in that you're having to do all this extra work because you're creating it, right? Whereas God has already created a path mm-hmm. for you. 
There you Ooh, go. You about to have me speak in tongues <laughs> in your sight? Oh, I'm not good. here to preach, but uh, but that's so <laughs> I'm good, sharing though. the good news, that right? Is so good. Um, you're not just walking your own path, but God has already had this figured out for you a long time ago before you even born. So all you got to do is just walk in it. Just gotta walk, you, you know. Um, my pastor would say, well, you know, we we were created to. Our feet were created for us to walk forward, not backwards, right? So mm-hmm. all we have to do you is... You need to go get your minister license, <laughs> All we've got to do is uh, <laughs> just walk and walk along that path. And again, just going back to the awareness and assessing, you know, when, when, I, when I do, when I've done it myself, and I try to create this own path, it was always so much hard work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to knock down doors. I'm trying to do this. I'm up late at night, trying to figure this stuff out. That wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Well, when I'm on God's path, I'm trying to figure something out. Someone will knock on the door and be like, hey, um, I think you might need this. You know, here's <laughs> right, a book. There's no stress. There's no stress. There's no right? trying to calculate, carry the one no. to the side, the other side. It's just easy. The money's there, mm-hmm. the resources, the people... Um, and don't get me wrong, life isn't perfect. You know, things things happen in this world that we have no control over. Um, but for me, I've been able to see where as long as I'm operating in my purpose, that's where everything's there. All my needs are met according to his mm-hmm. riches and glory. Um, and I don't have to ever worry about anything. Mm-hmm. And the, the cool thing about it is if you can do this confidently, Unapologetically. (laughs) Slurring all the words. Okay, you know, I'm going to quit. You guys know what I'm trying to say. Um, But yeah, so you're doing it. You know, you're not apologizing for it. God will really, you know, not only will he bless you, but he'll give you the desires of your heart, Mm -hmm. things that you want. He'll bless you with those things on top of that, just for you taking the initiative to trust him and just kind of walk along that path, which is so amazing. You know, people don't believe it, but it's true. Everyone who's successful does this. Yeah. You know? Yep. I've had a lot of conversations with people and, uh, you know, a lot of, not everyone believes is a, is a Christian. Not everyone's a believer. Um, They are following some higher power according to them. But for me, just being grounded in my faith is is very important. Um, and granted, I'm, again, I'm not perfect, <laughs> but uh, being grounded is very important. And just being able to hear and follow—that's um, the only way I I know how to do life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried it the other ways; it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I end up butting my head. I end up losing money. I end up probably in places where I shouldn't be. Um. But just being grounded, allowing him to kind of guide and direct me is is the best place for me to be. It's, mm-hmm. it's liberating. It's free. Um, you can you know you, you can speak into other people's lives. You're able to help people. You have the resources. Um, so that's that's the mm-hmm. choice that I make. Mm-hmm. That's a good choice. Well, thank you, Stan. This is really good. Really quick before we close, just one last what just one last final thought from mm-hmm. you. Um, what do you want our listeners to walk away with? What are some actionable steps that they can do right now to change? I would say, um, I'd probably say just being able to assess. Assess, well, first make the decision that you want to make the change. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to go back and assess the great things that you have going and working for you. 
um, assess the people that you're around, mm-hmm. um, assess some of the generational curses or cycles. Um, you know, you might it might require some additional research. And then from there, make the decision to move forward. Um, don't look back. Don't fault yourself. Don't um, hold yourself down. I mean, again, a lot of people tend to hold themselves down because they've made mistakes. Ask for forgiveness and keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that'll allow people to receive, whether it's healing, whether it's um, information that will kind of help uh, either direct or guide them to what their purpose is. Um, and then the last thing is get out of the house. Go go out there and be relational. Yeah, go um, experience stuff. Yeah, go experience stuff. Um, go experience new people, different people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't always, don't always operate in your comfort zone. Look for opportunities that operate outside of your comfort zone. Your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of growth will take place. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'll leave the listeners with until next time. That's good. <laughs> All right. So that wraps up the show. Um, before we close, I just wanted to close with just one scripture that I really want you guys to read, study, and just meditate on until we get to the next week. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. And if you have a chance, really the whole chapter, Jeremiah 29, is a really good one to read. Um, but it says here, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall ye come upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. Mm. Ye shall seek and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. So I think that kind of sums up <laughs> what we talked about nicely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Stan, where can they follow you at? If so, if our listeners want to go and kind of learn more about you or just keep um, tabs on what you're doing. keep uh, I'd say my LinkedIn page, Stanley Bendawa, you know, LinkedIn. Um, and G- Bendawa spelled G-B-A-N-D-A-W-A. I knew it. I knew it. I want to really start using my LinkedIn platform to push out a lot of the things that I'm doing in the community. Um kind of been a little reserved with it, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of great things that's happening here in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, other people that I'm plugged into. Um, so I think that'll be a good, a good place for us, for people to, to find out some of the things that I'm working on and some of the organizations that I'm part of. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it's to really help underserved, underprivileged um, people, um, children, mm-hmm. African-American communities. Um, so I'd say start with LinkedIn and go from there. Okay, so search Link Stanley Bendawa on LinkedIn. And so, yeah, that's the end of our show. So if you like what you heard today, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure that you subscribe. Um, and then also leave comments. I'm really interested, you know, in what you guys say. I promise you if you comment, I'm going to read it and may even possibly respond. Um, you can follow me at Back and Forth TV on Instagram and, and uh, Facebook. Same thing for Twitter. I'm still learning how to use Twitter. Don't judge me. Okay. <laughs> um, and I'm also on Snapchat as well. If And that, I think that's under my actual name, tharding underscore 192. So, but until then, thank you guys so much for joining me and have a blessed week. I'll see you next time.